The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. This could be five. It's a goal. Firmino has two and Liverpool have five. It's another thrashing of Porto in their own stadium. So Porto dismantled, uh, and can Liverpool do a job on Pep's Man City? That's what we all want to know. It's the red agenda. We're going to talk about James Milner, uh, Curtis Jones, and also reflect on the passing of one of the greats, Sir Roger Hunt. James Pearson, Kiefer O'Neill, alongside myself, um, Steve Hothersall. And I suppose, James, it doesn't get much bigger than a home clash against Manchester City. It's, it's pretty much the gauge which we uh, we can look at the season from. Yeah, I, I I think we've probably seen enough already this season to know they are the, the two best teams in the Premier League. They've been competing for the biggest prizes in recent years and you know and, and I think it, it's all set up to be another really mouthwatering battle between them. I think um you know obviously it was a it was a big win for City, wasn't it, coming to Anfield last season. I think what well, hadn't won at Anfield in eighteen years. Um, but you know, as Pep Guardiola said himself afterwards, it, it's different winning at Anfield with and without fans, and um, yeah, that that lack of atmosphere played into City's fa- hands last time, and I don't, yeah, I think I think this time around, um, that it will it will be certainly be very different surroundings for them. Yeah, Kiefer, I'm, I'm thinking if you go back to last season, there's no way that scoreline happens if Anfield is full. No, absolutely not. Um, you kind of felt it coming a lot of times last season just from watching on the telly because you knew fans weren't there to get on the players' backs. And, you know, these games, particularly Man City, Liverpool at Anfield, are always, you know, the first 15 minutes kind of sets the tone of the game. And for the most part, Liverpool have been able to absolutely boss it in that time, you know, lay down a real marker with the crowd behind them. And they weren't really able to do that last season. I feel like they'll be able to do that this weekend. And that's where they'll get joy if they can get, you know, where it feels like they're just going to score goals and goals and goals. And, you know, they, at the minute they are scoring goals. If you look back at, at last month, they scored, you know, three goals in every game at least. Um, so, you know, there's there's plenty of goals in this side. They had that little blip defensively against Brentford. You've seen against Porto how frustrated Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk were to give up the clean sheet. They both did the exact same sort of throwing their arms around, like absolutely fuming about it um, so you know they'll, they'll be keen on doing that I guess it's it's scoring against Manchester City which you think would be the worry they haven't conceded many this season you know it took Messi an absolute worldie didn't it mm-hmm. um, which I mean every goal Messi scores is a worldie but um, so yeah Liverpool are going to have to be on their absolute A game and I think they've been showing that they're coming into that now particularly when pressing they just seem the more alive to the to the danger to the ball to what Jürgen Klopp's instructing them to do and I think that bodes really well going into into Sunday's big game. James, you would imagine that both these sides aren't going to lose too many games this season. I, I, I suppose that sort of plays into this, um, if you like, in the sense of how much does a, a win mean? Yeah, well, I, th- I think clearly it's too early in the season to read a huge amount into the outcome on Sunday. But I think... 
well, what we do know is that winning a game like this can can give you massive belief going forward and have a knock-on effect. And similarly, if it goes badly wrong, I think it, it can be it can be a painful one to shake off, especially it always feels like it means that much more as well going into an international break because you know that whatever happens, that there's no way of getting it out of your system for a fortnight. It's it will it will linger, whether that's whether that's a positive or a negative feeling. Um, so yeah, I think I mean, it's obviously there's been a lot of talk this season about whether you know Chelsea on the back of winning the Champions League and the money they've spent in the summer, whether they would be you know what, what you know either favourites or certainly in the mix for the title. The same with United, but I I I, I think from what we've seen this season, you know, I I, I don't I, I see it as a straight shootout between between Liverpool and City. Um, and yeah, certainly if you can, you know, what, what Liverpool are a, a point ahead of them at the moment. If if they could, if they could stretch that to four, then um, you know that that would be huge. That's really intriguing what you're saying. There. I wonder whether Kiva agrees with that as well. Obviously, Chelsea have had two blips: lost Juventus in the Champions League, lost to Manchester City. Do, do you think Chelsea aren't quite the real deal? Won't quite keep the pace with the other two? Well, it certainly hasn't been a good week for them, has it? Um... You know, I think they'll start, their fans will have a little bit of a question mark on the back of their mind and as will other other fans as well. Just can they go all the way? Because I think they started the season, you know, like James says, on the back of that, riding the wave of that Champions League win, brought in Lukaku and everyone was kind of worried about what had happened there. He struggled a little bit in the, in the last couple of games. I mean, he's going to score plenty of goals for them, but whether that will be enough overall to see them you know, win the Premier League title. It probably could be, but like James says, it does feel like this weekend is sort of focused on Liverpool City. I feel like everyone now is sort of feeling that way. Um, even Man United, I mean, you know, I haven't caught a little bit of them last night in the Champions League. Obviously, Ronaldo pops up with a, a late winner, just always the way, isn't it, I guess? Um but they've been scruffy this season, haven't they? Some of their yeah, results. Yeah, but they didn't impress against Villarreal, and yeah. you know they've they've lost to Aston Villa at the weekend, and there've been plenty of results for them, which you know haven't boded well. Young boys in the Champions League, where they have looked not the best. So I don't think they can go the distance. Um, but you know, with Ronaldo dragging them there, you just don't know, do you? I guess. Um, but yeah, I think you know Liverpool are definitely one of the front runners with, along with Man City, which is incredible to think that no one really had Liverpool pegged as title contenders going into the season, which still baffles me a little bit because you know they've got that same same squad there. Yeah, they didn't add too many players to it, just the one. But you know they're still they're still champions in that team, and you know even with injuries to midfield, it's you know things are looking. Looking quite positive, aren't they? Yeah, it's really strange. It's like the rest of the country all of a sudden woke up to it. Let, let's have a look at the team selection for the, the Liverpool-Man City game. And I think we know that Trent Alexander-Arnold will be out and James Milner will play it right back. You, you've written about the qualities of the man on the athletic, uh, James. At the age of, what, 36, there's still no stopping James. Yeah, I thought I thought he was immense again the other night against Porto, um, you know, just as he was in keeping Wilfred Zaha quiet when he was thrown in at short notice against Palace a couple of weeks ago. So um, not quite 36, Steve. He will be later on in the season. Um, oh, is he 35? Clinging, Sorry, still James. Clinging on, still clinging on to 35 at the moment. Um, I wish I was too. Um, and he, <laughs> the guy is, I, know, I think 
you know, he, he's he's just been a remarkable servant to Liverpool, hasn't he? When you think this is his seventh season, I think when you think of all the players Liverpool have signed in that time, um, you know, the number of times people have just assumed, well, that's it, you know, Milner will now just disappear into the background. You know, he's no longer of, of great importance, maybe off the pitch rather than on it. Um, but, you know, I, I, you, know you, you look at the, the calibre of the performances he puts in and, and, and I think with Milner, there is such a big focus on, you know, this big vocal presence, his leadership, his, his, his nous, his know-how, his game management, that, that sometimes what doesn't get talked about enough of it is his, his quality because, um, you know, it's hard enough mastering one position at the highest level, let alone four, five or six, which is what he's done. Because, um, you know, I'm sure the irony won't be lost on him that, what was it, you know, over six years ago now he left Man City for Liverpool after talks with Brendan Rodgers because Rodgers had, you know, assured him that, you know, you will be an integral part as a central midfielder here. That was where he wanted to play. He felt like he wasn't ever really appreciated at City despite the success he had there because, um, you know, he was always moved around. He, he felt like he was, you know, if, if, if the manager had a tough decision, it always felt like he was the one that was left out or had to had to try and fill in somewhere yet um you know of course he hasn't really been able to shake off you know that tag as of, of mr versatile because you know he had a what was it nearly a whole season under Klopp as a left back um you know when you look at the numbers i think it's only around 50 percent of his total games for liverpool have been played in that what you'd what you just you know you'd associate with him as a as, a, as the center midfielder you know he's been on the left he's been on the right Obviously, both sides as a fullback. He's played as a holding midfielder. Um, so yeah, he's just he's a remarkable athlete, and you know what an absolute blessing it is for Klopp to be able to call upon him because, you know, I must admit, you know, I the other night I was thinking, you know, when you look at how creative Trent has been, you think are Liverpool really going to be able to, you know, to create a massive amount tonight with, without him? Um, but I think when Milner steps up like that. And you know other players as well. You know to to fill the void. It it doesn't really give you that sense of trepidation going into the city game. I think it's fascinating that that he moved over and you know went from that Manchester City ship where he could have easily stayed Kiever and and just take the money, but actually saw a bigger picture at an age which which maybe few people might have tried that. Um, and actually, his age is bizarre because you you don't really think he's thirty five when you're watching him. No, and it does surprise me that, you know, this could be his last season. You feel like somehow from somewhere he'll pluck a, another year yeah. contract. Surely, you know, he's going to go on forever, isn't he? And when he doesn't, that'll be a sad day for all of us. And I've said in the past, you know, um, if he does continue playing and it's not at Liverpool, then, you know, when he finishes up there, then he has to definitely come back and be a coach at Liverpool. I don't know why, you know, the club wouldn't want to get him straight in to coach. Because, I mean, he's pretty much a coach now over the past few seasons. He's been... You know, a great um, voice for the for the younger players. You've seen in those, you know, League Cup and FA Cup games where he was helping out and stuff. So, you know, he he's so much more important to Liverpool than even what he does on the pitch and that versatility. You know, off it and away from it, he's alongside Jordan Henderson as you know, obviously he's the vice captain, but he's you know someone crucial to this football club and to the success. You know, Jurgen Klopp and his and the other players have enjoyed um, over the past few seasons. He's just incredible. I mean, we can talk all day about him, I think. You know, he just, he sets the tone. And, I mean, from the Crystal Palace game, when, you know, you think the only 
couple of yellow cards he was against Zahar, was it? Or And then, you know, how he didn't pick up a yellow card in that game just baffled me. Um, and then to go into, you know, to filling in at right back is just, it's incredible, isn't it, really, what he's doing? Um, and he does it, like, as one of the best. You know, he's covering for one of the best in the world and he does it looking like one of the best in the world. So, I mean, we can't say much more on him. He's just, yeah, a superhuman Absolutely. It looks like it's going to be Grealish uh, up against uh, James Miller. That'll be fascinating. Let's look at the, the midfield. And if Liverpool can replicate anything from the Porto game, James, it's it's that dominance, the pressing, the, the ability to control the midfield, which largely came from Curtis Jones, who's absolutely grabbed his opportunity. Yeah, I, it, was, it was an astonishing performance, I thought, when... Um, when you think for a player that's that's been on the fringes really for for quite a while, certainly you know the back end of last season, um, you know his opportunities dried up a bit, and then you know this summer having to kind of sit and watch as as Harvey Elliott lit the place up, and and um, you know clearly circumstances have have handed him um, you know an opportunity that maybe he wasn't expecting with you know of course the injuries to to Elliott and to Tiago and obviously Cater only just coming back as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you've still got to grasp it, and you know, like I, I was, you know, I was blown away. I thought he was good against Brentford. You know, of course, you know, he was. It was a shame that he was denied what would have been a, a really fitting winning goal in that game. But um, he, he went to another level altogether against Porto. You know, he was he was involved in all all five goals, um, and and he just I just love his his confidence on the ball in terms of he's always make looking to make something happen. And and he and he and he gave Liverpool's midfield that kind of real creative spark that maybe, as supporters, we feared had, had kind of been been lost with with the Elliot injury, um, and yeah, just so positive and direct when he gets on the ball. Even the even the first goal where you know I think there was a big focus on you know Diogo Costa had an absolute stinker in the in goal for Porto, but he was I think he was caught out by just how early Curtis took that shot on it. You know it was it, he was such quick feet. And the execution was so impressive, um, and you know, and I think you know, listening to Klopp afterwards, the other thing that really delighted his manager was his work off the ball, and you know, we, we saw that with the way that he pressed and won the ball back in the build up to to Mo Salah's second goal. Because um, yeah, I, I think there, there has been a few pointed comments about you know the big thing for Curtis from Klopp has been consistency. That's what he wants to see from him, and. Um, you know, it certainly felt like that is the benchmark. You know, if he can get close to that on a regular basis, then you know he simply can't be left out of the Liverpool team. Before injuries to to Naby to Harvey Elliott, um, was there a concern of actually where he was, Kiva, in the pecking order? I mean, now we're seeing him play. We're thinking, well, he has to play every every game, but. Is is the reality that he's actually got his chance because of those injuries? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he did sort of start the season, well, pre-season was, you know, he looked good, didn't he? And was going into the season in a better place than he sort of ended the last season, whereas, you know, his appearances sort of dried up a little bit, didn't he, after March, where, you know, last season he was the go-to man for Klopp many times. Um, you know, there was a couple of times when he came off and then Liverpool ended up losing the game because they'd sort of lost their energy almost through him. Um, 
So I think, you know, the concussion wasn't helpful to start the season. That sort of rocked him a bit. Then, as James said, Harvey Elliott steps up even, you know, on the right side. I mean, it scares me the thought of Harvey playing on that right of midfield and Curtis on the left. Um, You know, the future of Liverpool's midfield almost could be absolutely frightening, couldn't it? Um, But yeah, I think what's impressed me about Curtis is that I guess, you know, he has climbed that pecking order that he did sort of drop down a little bit. And, you know, I think he's he has gone under the radar a bit. And that performance, you know, to have made over 50 appearances for Liverpool and for people to not really massively notice away from sort of the Liverpool football community, I guess. You know, other supporters would be like, when did that happen? Um, but yeah, for him to just, you know, continue to keep working at it and, you know, those close to him told me that he's so competitive. He wants to play every single minute. Like he's just obsessed with playing for Liverpool and he'll do anything to do that. So, you know, this is a, a young, hungry player. Um, I found it really interesting how um, Klopp sort of sets him up on that left because obviously if you've got to with Liverpool, do you press in and you do defensive work. So um, he sort of seems to stay quite central when Liverpool are out of possession. And then um, when they're in possession, he sort of then shifts over to the left and sort of zooms forward um, with the pace he's got. And I think that's been the missing link for Liverpool's midfield for a long time. You know, a player who we saw with Harvey Elias that can just attack. Um, And, you know, I tweeted the other night, he's a trouble causer. His shot obviously helped with that goal. But against Brentford, you know, his shots were causing trouble as well. Um, And I think that's what, you know, Liverpool definitely definitely need and I think he's going to go on to have hopefully a great season yeah what a player look against Brentford um, James Liverpool came undone defensively um, ship goals they obviously hadn't previously in the in the season heading into a game against Manchester City has to be tight again doesn't it what, what's your thoughts and perspective on, on Virgil van Dijk and how much football he's had to play since coming back from a 10-month layoff yeah well I think first of all I think it was really interesting the fact that Klopp only made the one change the other night. I thought, um, you know, I wondered whether we might have seen Canate, whether he might have rotated a bit more than he than he did. But I think listening to his comments, he, he felt, I think there's probably two factors. One, that he felt there was like enough of a gap between Tuesday and Sunday, recovery-wise, not to have to rest anyone ahead of City. But also I think he felt that the Brentford game was an aberration that 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 wasn't representative of where these players are at, certainly not defensively as a unit, because that's been such a strength for Liverpool this season. And he almost wanted those players who had collectively had such an off night against Brentford to to put things right, to to kind of get back on track. And I think I think that 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 kind of decision definitely paid off. Um, in in terms of Van Dijk, I actually I di- I didn't I thought you know I thought there was a bit of an overreaction to to what happened at Brentford because you know for, for a start you have to bear in mind that you know Van, Van Dijk has been out for a long long time so there's there's it, it, it's just impossible to just flick a switch and just for him to to get back to where he was before the injury I also thought he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the weak it certainly wasn't a weak link in that Liverpool team I thought if anything out of the two it was Matip that got bullied a bit and lost lost a lot of the you know the aerial battles because Brentford did go very direct um, but no, I, I, I think Van Dijk has been unbelievable so far this season. When, when you think about how long he was out, just how serious the injury was. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's no surprise that what with the, with the exception of that Milan game, that, 
that he's been out there for for every important clash that's that's come along. So um, so no, I I I wasn't. You know, I I just thought. Do you know what? Credit to Brentford. They threw caution to the wind on the day. They got numbers forward. They had a go at Liverpool in a way that few teams do. And it doesn't really fill me with any concern going into the City game. Because also, we know from the way City play, it's just a very, very different type of test. You know, they're not going to... Pep Guardiola is not going to get them to stick three men on the back post and and, and launch high balls in. It's just, um, you know, a, a different challenge and... Uh, you know, I, I I think the only real dilemma for Klopp ahead of Sunday, as long as there's no late fitness issues, um, will will be whether it's Firmino or Jota, because I think I think that's probably a decision to be made on the back of you know Firmino scoring a couple of goals the other night. But um, no, apart from that, you know, I think I think Van Dijk and Matip are absolutely nailed on to start. Where where do you two go with Firmino or Jota then, Kiva? I think you start for me, you know, just because he seems to have that little impact. He, you know, when he comes on as a sub, you know, having the injury coming back now, I feel like he, you just need to start. He looks good, um, and Jota, I feel like he really, really needed a goal the other night, didn't he? It was kind of like Mane against Leeds. You felt like if it didn't come, it might disrupt the games to follow, um. But you know, he's another class, class footballer, um, and it would not surprise me for him to to put Liverpool ahead against Man City with a kind of header or something that he did against Brentford. So I don't know if there's... It's probably not one for all four of them, but, you, I mean, again, you don't know, do you, I guess? Um, but Firmino just gets starting orders for what he did against uh, Porto in midweek and what Jota failed to do, I guess. Um, you know, I thought his all-round performance was good, but that was a game where you should really be getting involved with the goals. And he's had a few of those moments this season um, I mean Raya produced an outstanding save for the, the shot that hit the post Jones' shot and you know Jota wasn't quite able to to get it in um, you know world class stop but it's moments like that sometimes this season that Jota's just failed to find that cutting edge but you know he, he's going to score plenty of goals for Liverpool isn't he and it would not surprise me at all for him to to score against Manchester City and, and turn up. But then Firmino does like himself a game against Man City. So, you know, I've just got a good feeling for him. What are we thinking? A, a tight one, James? A, a really, I would say, cautious affair. But given Manchester City's defence as well, which again was the backbone of their, their title-winning campaign last season, how's this going to play out on Sunday? Oh, I, I think it's incredibly difficult to predict. I think, yeah, when both both teams in general have been very tight defensively for so far this season, haven't they? Which, which would, you know, would, you know, you would lead you to think that, you know, one goal, you know, could well, could well decide it. But I don't know. I think, I think just, you know, I think with a game like this, you just think maybe if, if, if someone was to score early, then that almost changes it. And I think, I think the big thing for Liverpool is they have to, they have to start well. They have to impose themselves on City from the start. You know, they have to do something which they didn't do at Burnley uh, sorry, not at Burnley, at Brentford last weekend. In terms of in, in terms of being ready and 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 grasping the initiative and not giving their opponents you know a head start, which is is what happened at Brentford. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the big thing because we we know Anfield will be absolutely electric on Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I'm I'm glad it's later on in the day rather than rather than a lunchtime kickoff. And 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 I'm and I'm sure you know we've seen it before when you know when you think of some of the the fantastic wins Liverpool have had against City 
um, you know, since since Klopp has been there against Guardiola, you know, it it has been about feeding off that tempo and intensity, you know, the energy from the stands and 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 you know, almost leaving Man City a bit shell shocked with that ability to to you know to to score goals in quick succession and 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 just not allow City to settle because we we know with just how technically gifted you know so many of City's footballers are that if you stand off them if you let them play then you know you're causing yourself massive problems just a slight diversion onto something Kiva which is the uh, the club's senior players committee. So Jürgen mentioned this in his press conference the other day. Obviously Jordan Henderson, Virgil van Dijk, James Milner, senior players already on on the board if you like. Um, But he basically led us into the knowledge that the players then voted to invite a few others onto this this board, this senior players committee. Trent being one of those. Um, What about the the roles and and what it means? What, What do you think? Six senior players now. Yeah, it's very intriguing, isn't it? Um, I think, I mean, I don't know too much about it. I'm sure James has got more more of an idea than I have on it. Um, but I think those types of things are, you know, the bedrock of success, aren't they? That's what you need almost. Like, it's politics, you know, to, to have leaders in, in control and in power, even though, you know, the, the whole team is kind of built on the same fundamentals. Um, but, yeah, it's... Massively intriguing for him to have just dropped that in there and left us all sort of scrambling, wondering what. I know obviously the players have, have voted in the past on who to be captain, vice captain, that kind of thing, and there's sort of a pecking order there. And I feel like um, there's probably that at a lot of teams, but it's never quite sort of you know um, outlined as such. Um, so it does does intrigue me whether they go for little meals or something and you know, have little. Uh, <laughs> Little discreet discussions away, um, a weekend away for the for the seniors. Who who are the th- the other two that I've missed there, James? So Trent's one of the new ones, and the other two are Robertson and Allison. Yeah, right. so um, yeah, I think it just de- demonstrates how many captains they've got, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you think you know Mo Salah not amongst that you know that six man committee yet. You know, he's captain of Egypt and someone who publicly said that he was quite peeved at not being given the, the Liverpool captaincy for that game against Midland in the, the Champions League dead rubber last season. So I think, you know, when you think, you know, Sadio Mane as well, Fabinho, you know, there, there would have been there were a whole, whole host of contenders. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it was interesting listening to Klopp saying that, you know, the decision to, to expand it from four to six was was essentially because you know of, of the you know the injury situation last season where sometimes he was going into games without anyone on that committee actually being in contention to to feature so um so yeah it's it, you know it's something that obviously i think with the way that Klopp operates clearly he is the main man he makes the big decisions you know he he sticks by them but he i think he wants he wants everyone to feel as if they do have an input in that process and i think in the same way that you know the coaching staff talk about you know they with Klopp you don't just get you know asked for your opinion you get you know it's demanded from you he he wants your input it's the same with the senior players you know whether that's you know on training times or travel plans um or or whatever you know in terms of preparation for games 
you know, recovery from games. You know, you know, I know in the last kind of 18 months, you know, a big thing has been, you know, allowing players to do kind of first day recovery at home rather than having to traipse into the training ground for, for recovery. So, um, you know, little things like that. I think, um, you know, it's it, it's all part of the way that Klopp bosses things. You know, he... It's you know, I think it's a you know it's a big strength of his the fact that he he wants to listen he wants to take other people's opinions on on board but you know ultimately he has the final say. Intriguing stuff, isn't it? Let Let's finish with a word on the majestic, the great Sir Roger Hunt. He was at Anfield between nineteen fifty eight and nineteen sixty nine. Two hundred and eighty five goals, two first division titles, member of the first FA Cup winning side, and of course scored in that game. Second in the. Uh, all-time top scorers list, but he is the record holder for league goals for Liverpool. Kiva, I, I would imagine, obviously, you, you know, you you didn't see him play. You probably learned an awful lot about the greatness of this man in the past week. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you sort of grow up anyway. Just, I remember seeing, I think, the banner on the cop, say Roger, and I've, I remember going away thinking, what? And then I realised, oh, that's the one my granddad always goes on about. Um, and I haven't even had a chance to speak to my granddad yet, but I'm sure he's got some great um, stories about Roger Hunt scoring um, plenty of goals for Liverpool. You know, just just really sad news. I think, you know, you, you've seen the outpouring from a lot of ex-players, fans who had the, you know, the chance to meet him and just said, you know, uh, what an incredible footballer he was. Many of us didn't get to see him play, but what a what a gentleman he was as well. Obviously, um, just just really sad news. One of the the legends of this football club, you know, someone who who built it, you know, and set up what what we're enjoying now. Um, so without those people who came before, I mean, none of this can happen, can it? And you know, say Roger Hunt's definitely among those legends of of Liverpool Football Club, and will remain there forevermore. James, I think it was Kenny Dalglish who put on his social media that he was fortunate enough to stand on the shoulders of giants. And by that, he obviously meant Sir Roger and what he did alongside Bill Shankly and Ian St. John for that football club. Yeah, I think, you know, the Liverpool football club that that we have today, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be that worldwide, iconic, famous institution without, without the people like... Roger Hunt, you know, he he was you know one of the founding fathers really in terms of launching the club into the big time, into winning the biggest prizes. You know, such an integral part of that iconic Bill Shankly team, and um, you know the service he gave Liverpool over so many years. Um, you know, to get them promoted back into the top division, you know, win win two top flight titles, you know, that cherished FA Cup for the first time in in 65 as well um and when you think about you know what he achieved on the international stage as well with being part of the 66 world cup winning team um yeah it was and you know it was it was funny because you know obviously i i never got to to see him play but you know clearly he was one of those names that you just you know growing up as a young liverpool fan you just you know what you you almost had to be educated about what what he'd done because everyone the older the older generation always talked about him. You know, even even when you know the number of interviews you know I've done with former players like you know you speak to John Aldridge and Phil Thompson and people like this, people who are, are legends in their own right. Well, they you know they you know they were inspired by Roger Hunt. You know, he was their hero. You know, John Aldridge spoke the other day, didn't he, about you know wanting to. You know, he always wore number eight because he wanted to wear the same number as as Roger Hunt, and um, 
Yeah, and I, you know, I was lucky enough to meet him on a number of occasions. You know, one of the first interviews I did for the Echo probably fifteen years ago was was to was to go and interview him. Um, and you know, it, it, I know he was he was working for the Pools panel at the time, and just just incredibly down to earth and humble. Um, you know, just just a world away from how you might imagine someone who had achieved what he'd achieved would be, but. Um, yeah, I think you know I've never ever heard anyone say a single bad word about Roger Hunt, and he deserves all the the plaudits and all the tributes that have come his way because um, yeah, just up there with the absolute you know the, the 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 icons of Liverpool Football Club and you know an incredibly lovely man as well. Yeah, Jurgen said second to no one at Liverpool Football Club, and uh, and sadly missed now, Sir Roger Hunt. Uh, my thanks as always to Kiva and to James. That was the Red Agenda. Hope you enjoyed it. And of course, uh, there's another one next week after that nail biter against Manchester City at the weekend. Fingers crossed, we get the result we're after. We'll see you then. <laughs>